You are listening to the Nixon Now Podcast. I'm Jonathan Mavrigas. This is brought to you by the Nixon Foundation. We're broadcasting from the Richard Nixon Presidential Library in Yorba Linda, California. You can follow us on Twitter at Nixon Foundation or at NixonFoundation.org. This summer marks the 60th anniversary of the famous kitchen debate between then-Vice President Nixon and Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev. Our guest to discuss this today is historian and Nixon biographer Irv Gelman. Dr. Gelman is author of The Contender, Richard Nixon, The Congress Years, 1946 to 1952, and The President and the Apprentice, Eisenhower and Nixon, 1952 to 1961. Dr. Gelman, welcome. Thank you. Just to start off uh, some background, could you give us a background on who was Nikita Khrushchev for our audience? Uh, What was he all about and how does he stand in comparison to other Soviet leaders? Uh, Nikita Khrushchev uh, had been uh, leader of the Soviet Union, as usual, uh, removing his predecessor and becoming uh, the head of the uh, uh, Soviet Union, and uh, uh, was very much a savvy politician, not terribly well-educated, but uh, very forceful in his uh, position, and uh, uh, able to command control uh, of the, the Soviet uh, government and the, the uh, Communist Party in, in the Soviet Union uh, by uh, the alliances he made. And when those alliances failed, uh, he was replaced by by somebody as he had replaced others, uh, which basically continues to go on in the Soviet Union to this day. By the, by the mid-1950s, what were what were Soviet U.S. relations like? Uh, Soviet Union relations. It was the height of the Cold War. Uh, the uh, the problem with uh, were, was there going to be a nuclear holocaust? Uh, the problems that the U.S. had with the Soviet Union in many regards. Uh, uh, for example, the Hungarian. Uh, uh, revolt in uh, October, November 1956, which ended up slaughtering uh, many, many Hungarian uh, citizens, etc. Uh, there were other problems in the Soviet Union, but there was also the growth of the uh, of People's Republic of China as a another model. So many people would talk about the Sino-Soviet pact or bloc or whatever. And uh, uh, much of this was met at the beginning of Eisenhower's term uh, as president term with trying to figure out uh, how he should treat the Soviet Union and what he should do in relation to the uh, uh, the nature of the interaction to basically avoid any kind of hot war and keep it a cold war. In 1957, um, speaking about cold war and hot war, um, Nikita Khrushchev, you write that Nikita Khrushchev called for economic warfare on the West. Uh, what led to these particular circumstances? Well, the Soviet Union uh, was trying to, to demonstrate how it had a, severe, a, a superior uh, economic system than the United States had. And uh, many of what uh, Nikita Khrushchev was saying was just bluster. But it was enough bluster on both military and uh, economic things that there were people in the United States that became overly concerned with what Khrushchev said and didn't really examine the fact that in many ways, economically, the Soviet Union was a third uh, world country with, with, uh, without having a great deal of economic growth. 
what was what was the Eisenhower administration's reaction uh, to this particular bluster, um, in particular President Eisenhower and, and Vice President Nixon? Eisenhower was really far more savvy than most of his earlier biographers have given him credit for. Uh, he was very, very good uh, in an organizational sense and what he did in World War II uh, as commander uh, of the Normandy invasion and the invasion of, of Europe and the downfall of uh, Nazi Germany. What most people don't give him credit for is really his brilliance and how he handled much of this and how unflappable he was when people talked about uh, uh, the nature of the Soviet Union catching up to the United States and how we, they were going to uh, pass, uh, surpass us, especially the nonsense of this great missile gap, which uh, never existed. And uh, uh, John F. Kennedy and Stuart Symington and other people in the Democratic Party talked about the missile gap and uh, uh, very quietly in uh, Kennedy's uh, early term, uh, they said uh, there really wasn't one. But it wasn't something that uh, Kennedy believed. I think, honestly, he did believe uh, uh, the spin that the Soviet Union was trying to pull and didn't really understand the full nature until he became president. And what was Vice President Nixon's perspective on all this? Nixon's perspective was not as, as, as subtle and sophisticated as Eisenhower. He really relied very much on the meetings of the National Security Council, uh, etc. But he was very much aware uh, of the United States standing. And from Nixon's standpoint, it was a lot more political. Uh, it was far more important that Nixon stress that the Eisenhower government was protecting the United States against Soviet aggression and that the United States was far superior uh, to the Russians. And he had the inside information to uh, uh, prove that. Your book is called The President and the Apprentice. Uh, what was, in terms of U.S.-Soviet relations, uh, how did um, Eisenhower envision, what did he envision Nixon's role would be um, on this issue? Uh, Eisenhower and Nixon, as they became more comfortable with one another, uh, the uh, uh, president used uh, Nixon to get information and uh, started to have greater uh, respect and trust for Nixon in uh, his abilities to, one, uh, analyze uh, U.S.-Soviet uh, relations from a congressional standpoint, and at the same time, uh, uh, Nixon, the more Eisenhower used him, uh, he uh, gained greater information, greater prestige uh, nationally and internationally. And uh, as most of the historians, and still uh, some historians uh, misrepresent and just fundamentally get it wrong, there was uh, never any ambivalence in the uh, uh, Eisenhower-Nixon relationship. It was always a very respectful uh, relationship where uh, they had a, a cordial relationship with based on mutual respect. You write that Nixon tried to marshal foreign aid legislation 
to uh, enhance the U.S. position against the Soviet Union. Uh, could you touch upon this a little bit? The, the whole nature of foreign aid was a, a, a major issue within the Eisenhower administration starting uh, at the very beginning. Eisenhower was a, a real proponent, as was Nixon in foreign aid. And the idea behind it was that it was far better to spend money on economic aid, uh, sometimes military aid, and other types of humanitarian aid throughout the Eisenhower administration. This was uh, in contradistinction to many American legislators uh, uh, then and as is today with why are we spending so much money on foreign aid when we should be spending it uh, domestically to aid uh, uh, citizens within the United States. But it was always the administration's goal to use this age uh, to bring nations more in line with, quote unquote, the free world rather than the communist bloc. Did Nixon play an active role in as vice president in the NSC and NSC meetings? Uh, Again, uh, as the relationship with Nixon and uh, Eisenhower grew more and more comfortable. Eisenhower allowed Nixon to chair about 10% of all NSC meetings over the eight years uh, when Eisenhower was president. The nature of those meetings, uh, all of uh, Eisenhower's meetings, his NSC meetings, his cabinet meetings, his legislative meetings, from Eisenhower's standpoint, were, were, were kind of educational so everybody that was in the room, and usually these were major uh, officials in the administration, would understand at least generally what Eisenhower was, was, was trying to do, uh, how he was trying to do foreign aid, how he was trying to uh, improve U.S.-Soviet uh, relations, etc. He was very, very good at uh, uh, bringing these people so everybody was on board with what was going on. On October 4th, 1957, uh, the Soviets launched their first satellite, uh, Sputnik, to major concerns in America um, that America needed to get its act together in terms of its space program. Uh, what, was the, what was the Eisenhower administration's reaction to this? Well, the Eisenhower administration was split. Uh, Eisenhower uh, thought it was basically something that the, the Russians had done, but it wasn't that big a deal. Uh, He didn't recognize uh, the amount of public outcry there would be in the United States that the Soviet Union had launched uh, the first satellite. Uh, This was something that he had great, great problems trying to convince the American public that it was more of a show than it was of anything substantial. Uh, Again, the nature between what Eisenhower thought and knew and what Nixon saw uh, in the, uh, the the public and uh, Eisenhower's opposition, Democratic opposition, and even opposition with the in the Republican Party, was the difference between the actual fact, i.e., the meaning of Sputnik from a military standpoint and from a scientific standpoint, and from a political standpoint. Eisenhower. Uh, uh, really didn't get uh, the the 
the extent of the outcry and what it meant. For Nixon, what did what did Sputnik mean? For Nixon, what Sputnik meant was very simple: that it it, it didn't matter that Eisenhower and the internal people in the Defense Department or uh, the CIA or the scientific community knew that it did not make the Soviets that much advanced in rocket capability, but that the American public saw this as a defeat of the United States prestige, and it would hurt uh, the administration at the ballot box. On November 10th, uh, a year later, 1958, Khrushchev unilaterally proclaimed that the East and West had to commence talks to end the four-power occupation. Uh, Could you give us a little background on the four-power occupation? What does this mean, and what was Khrushchev seeking to accomplish here? The the four-power agreement starts at the end of World War II where the French, the British, the Americans, and the Russians had certain zones uh, within uh, Eastern Europe, and especially in Berlin. Uh, the, the Russians controlled East uh, uh, Germany. Uh, the Allies, for want of a better term, controlled West Germany. And in, in some ways, the Berlin situation was divided among the four powers. That lasted... Uh, during the reconstruction of Western uh, uh, Europe in toto because of the uh, uh, Marshall Plan. The problem was for the Soviets, they didn't have the same pace in Eastern uh, uh, Germany and or in East Berlin. So you had a real embarrassment for the Soviet Union with a a brain drain and people leaving East uh, Germany and East Berlin to go into West Berlin because the living conditions were so much better. The problem that uh, uh, Khrushchev faced was how do you end this embarrassment? And the way you end this embarrassment is force the West out of uh, uh, Berlin and claim that there had to be some kind of an agreement. It was quite frankly a bluff where Khrushchev was trying to get some kind of advantage of the Allies to make certain that he wouldn't have the continual problems he faced in East Berlin and in uh, uh uh, Eastern uh, Germany. That was one of the reasons why they built the infamous uh, Berlin Wall. Were the, despite this, were the Soviets eager for um, improved diplomatic relations with the United States? <clears throat> Again, uh, the split within the Soviet power structure. Uh, some were, some weren't. Uh, Khrushchev, I think, was looking for uh, some form of more uh, accommodation, but at the same time, his public persona was uh, this champion of the Soviet Union and uh, the Eastern Bloc countries and other nations, the People's Republic of China, to show that he was standing up against the free world and the United States. Let's talk a little bit about Vice President Nixon's trip 
to Moscow in 1959. Um, could you tell us sort of the genesis of that? When did that start to become an idea to have the vice president go to Moscow? And why not the president himself? The, the nature of the genesis started with major Russian uh, officials coming to the United States in 1959. And uh, there was a, uh, a Russian exhibit in New York City. And as more Russians came to the United States, and as the Eisenhower administration uh, lifted some restrictions on travel for Soviets within the United States, there was a building uh, reciprocity for someone in the United States uh, to go to the Soviet Union. Some American officials had gone to the Soviet Union, had, had talks uh, with uh, uh, the Russians, but nothing on the level of the president or the vice president. The idea that Eisenhower had was you first sent the vice president over for a number of reasons. The most important reason was to get Nixon's analysis because Eisenhower trusted Nixon's analysis of what uh, Khrushchev wanted, what Khrushchev was like, and what the expectations were of a meeting between Eisenhower and Khrushchev would result in something positive. What did they, what did they hope that it might result in? I, I think that Eisenhower was looking for a, a relaxation of tensions in the, 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 the Berlin crisis, that he wanted to find some kind of an accommodation uh, where the Russians would be able to work with the Allies and not make uh, the, the uh, occupation uh, a, a, uh, a conflict that could possibly end up in an armed conflict by some miscalculation. You write that uh, Secretary John Foster Dulles, the Secretary of State, gave Nixon um, advice before the trip. What type of advice was given? Uh, he wanted Nixon to be careful and to understand uh, the nature of the Soviet Union and where the Soviet Union was coming from. Uh, again, remember that Dulles, as much as anybody, was a cold warrior who distrusted uh, the the uh, the Soviets implicitly, but still saw some kind of opportunity if if something could be arranged. You had mentioned the reciprocity and the um, the cultural uh, context of Nixon's visit in 1959. Nixon also conferred with Eisenhower before the trip. Uh, you write that Nixon was quote not a normal part of the negotiating machinery of the administration, and then. And that Ike suggested that the project, that he project a cordial, almost light atmosphere. Um, what, what do you mean by this? What I mean is to show how really tricky Eisenhower was. Publicly, he was saying to Nixon, so everybody heard, that this was really nothing above normal expectations of a cordial visit. Privately. Uh, Eisenhower was telling Nixon that he could bring up just about anything 
with the Russians and talked to Khrushchev about just about anything. He also privately told Nixon before Nixon left that he was going to invite Khrushchev to come to the United States. When uh, when Nixon does go to, um, as he prepares his trip in 1959, does he does Nixon expect tense exchanges with Khrushchev? I I don't know if Nixon was expecting tense exchanges with Khrushchev as it as it finally occurred. I I assume that Nixon uh, thought that there would be some form of exchange. I Nixon tried to be. Uh, as skillful and as subtle and as respectful as he could because he was entering uh, another world, i.e. the Soviet Union. And he was dealing with someone who was very facile in how he dealt with people, Khrushchev, and yet at the same time didn't have any idea how Khrushchev was going to uh, uh, treat him. Could you describe the trip? Nixon lands in Moscow um, in July of 1959. Could you describe what happens when, when Nixon arrives and what, uh, what, is, what is the atmosphere of Moscow like during that, during that trip? They, the Soviets tried uh, to, to not to play this up. There wasn't an enormous uh, greeting. Uh, in addition to that, uh, Khrushchev has... Uh, his uh, uh, minions and other people talk about the captive nations resolution that Congress passed, which basically was a resolution that said that the Soviet's occupation of Eastern Europe was an anathema and they needed to get out, uh, uh, i.e. they needed to leave uh, Poland, uh, East Germany, etc., because this was something uh, that the Russians had taken over and were trying to influence these people and uh, should not be doing. Uh, Khrushchev used uh, the resolution uh, to give Nixon a hard time, I think, and to try to throw him off stride. Eventually, uh, the continual uh, use of this tactic uh, failed on Nixon because uh, he knew it was a propaganda stunt and nothing uh, that was going to change the nature of the U.S. Congress and what the U.S. Congress was going to going to do uh, in regard to uh, its uh, opposition to uh, the Russians being in Eastern Europe. From that, they went to um, Sokolniki Park after the debate about the U.S. Um, or the Captive Nations Resolution. Uh, they go to Sokolniki Park, the place where the American exhibition was taking place. Uh, could you describe the scene there? Uh, what uh, you know? How was it? How was it laid out? What kind of companies were there? Well, there were there were all kinds of American companies. The the, the, the kitchen debate uh, really. Uh, uh, Started the the uh, the the interchange between Khrushchev and Nixon. The real debate that we know as the kitchen debate really occurred in the color studio that was done by RCA, uh, Radio Corporation of America, and it was filmed uh, as as part of 
the ongoing discussion between Nixon and Khrushchev over the advantages of the Soviet Union over America and the advantages of America over the Soviet Union. And Nixon, uh, in his exchange uh, with Khrushchev, did quite well in what was uh, going on. What Khrushchev did not know and what Nixon did not know was the, the tape of the or the film uh, that was done uh, in uh, the uh, uh, studio was smuggled out of uh, the Soviet Union and played very quickly in the United States. What was what was it? What was its immediate impact when it was broadcast back in the U.S.? Well, the immediate impact was startling because here was the 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 uh, leader of the Soviet Union uh, giving uh, uh, his view of the Soviet advantages over the United States. And here was Vice President saying, uh, yeah, you might have some advantages, but we got a bunch of advantages over you. And then our system works very well. And you may say your system works very well, but we're more than happy uh, to be where, where we are uh, in our evolution. It seems like such a small, brief event. Did it have any, did it have any implications in terms of uh, Cold War politics or, or the relations between the two countries? I don't know if it had a long-term uh, bilateral relations, but it certainly helped Nixon uh, within his his uh, standing and prestige at home that here he was matching wits uh, with the leader of the Soviet Union. And quite frankly, uh, it, it helped him immeasurably on the nature of him being experienced and dealing with foreign leaders effectively. Did it help him at all during the 1960 race against President Kennedy? Certainly. The the idea that uh, Kennedy had no experience in foreign affairs, had not dealt with uh, foreign leaders, uh, hurt Kennedy, I think, uh, considerably, although there is no real evidence because of the nature of polling at the time and because of the lack of use of computers, we'll, we'll never know uh, uh, because of the sophistication that we have now in computers and the questions they ask, how much of a role uh, this played in the election of 1960. What happened after the debate on the, while still in Moscow, did anything happen at following the debate after the, the two left the ex- exhibition? Well, they, they, they went to, uh, Khrushchev's DACA and they continued to discuss the nature of U S Soviet relations. And, uh, uh, Khrushchev took them on a boat ride down Moscow river, uh, talking about do these people look like enslaved people. Uh, the, the, the nature of Khrushchev did not change as an advocate of his system, and uh, Nixon did not change with an advocate of, of uh, uh, the, the American system. It was a continuation of what started uh, in Moscow and just continued to go on. The big uh, change that occurs that is not talked about uh, hardly at all is the wonderful uh, additional uh, information that 
the intelligence group. There were CIA people on the mission. There were uh, military people on the mission. And uh, uh, Nixon stops uh, in uh, central Russia and is able to uh, get greater detailed information on what areas of the Soviet Union that had been closed to Americans were able to see. And his ability to, to be there at that point in time, I think, really aided uh, the American intelligence community on uh, the aspects of uh, Soviet economic growth, Soviet military growth, uh, what the relationship was in time and space. And pretty much uh, none of this stuff was um, uh, enunciated at the time because it was basically information that uh, uh, the U.S. intelligence wanted to keep under its own uh, hat. Does this experience in 1959, uh, Nixon returns to Nixon returns to uh, Russia in 1972. Uh, does this experience at all, um, you know, help Nixon in his preparations for his dealings as president with uh, with Leonid Brezhnev in 1972? Well, I believe he meets uh, Leon uh, Leonid Brezhnev in 1959 at the Moscow. Uh, exhibit. I think he's one of the people that's with uh, Khrushchev. But of course it helped him uh, because of the nature of just having a, a greater feel of how the Soviet, Soviet apparatus worked and how uh, you behave in the Soviet Union and what the various leaders of the Communist Party and the way the uh, dictatorship and or oligarchy works in the Soviet Union, it was a, a great benefit for Nixon and what he was doing. Looking back 60 years on, um, what do you think the legacy is of the kitchen debate? I think the, the legacy of the kitchen debate is more than what it has been given credit for, and that is uh, what happened uh, with the uh, uh, televised part of it. But the nature of how Ike used Nixon uh, to create the prelude for a possible meeting between him and Khrushchev uh, to work out some kind of uh, settlement over Berlin. And as uh, happened was Khrushchev visits the United States first in September, and he and uh, Eisenhower uh, meet and uh, for want of a better word, uh, the spirit of Camp David, where uh, they met to resolve some of the problems with Berlin, uh, happened. But in addition to that, the additional information that uh, the U.S. gets on uh, Soviet capabilities, uh, i.e., what I, I did not mention was Admiral Rickover, the father of the nuclear submarine goes to the Soviet Union and is allowed to examine uh, several uh, nuclear reactors. So he gets more uh, information on Soviet capabilities. And again, uh, the CIA, the military, the nature of what the Soviets were doing, I think all benefited the United States. And the, the nature of the cultural interchange I think, affected Sino-American relations. 
Our guest today is historian and Nixon biographer Irv Gelman. Our topic was the famous kitchen debate between Vice President Nixon and Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev. Dr. Gelman, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Please check back for future podcasts at nixonfoundation.org or on your favorite podcast app. This is Jonathan Mavroides and your Belinda.